Come on. Welcome to Left Blood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ed Parco. Ed, are you ready to do this? I am. Are you ready? I I I, I thought I was, and then <laughs> I am ready. Let's 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 let let's go. Ed is an MBA. He's a mortgage advisor. He is host of the Inner Edison podcast. He's a veteran of the United States Navy. Excited to have you on, Ed. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right. So the easiest way to say why I do what I do is I like uh, building, helping people build personal wealth through home ownership. Um, years ago, we always thought it was the reason you bought homes was to protect yourself and save on taxes. And then they took that away from us a few years ago. And then so basically, I always thought it was a way to build personal wealth because people don't always have a 401k, 403b or IRA. But if you buy a piece of property and you live in it over time, it will appreciate. And it's one one of the assets, especially right now, that will appreciate and not have a problem during inflation. So nice. there's my long, my short little story. Just kidding. I like it. Give us a little bit about you personally. Personally, um, let's see. Uh, well, I just got back from a, a vacation, which is, you know, normally in the last few years, we don't really do much, but we did. We traveled everywhere. Um, but me personally, I, I'm a veteran. I was in the Navy for five years, five months and 14 days, but it was counting. And then, um, but one thing I used the military for, because I was a, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. My dad died when I was 12. We were poor. And, you know, I used it to get my bachelor's and master's. And then I've used that ever since. So personally, that's who I am. And I also like to bike. I'm an avid cyclist. I've been doing that since I was like, I don't know, 13, 14. Uh, I used to ride out to my grandfather's dairy out to work on weekends in summer. And that's how I got into biking, cycling, I guess. Nice. Married, five kids, all out of the house. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And let me give it up a few messages here. Sorry. Married, five kids, all out of the house. Congratulations on that. It's, it's a feat. Yeah, for get, sure it is. It wasn't the last one. It was the second to the last one that was much harder. Yeah, it's like that movie, Failure to Launch. Okay. So. Well, fair enough. All right. So I, I also know that you do a good amount of work with business owners. So I, I want to get into that with you. Um, but just, it, it seems like, well, it doesn't seem like anything we're living through. We're having this conversation on, on June 15th, we're living through and are just in a very, very dynamic housing market where values are going up. It seems like it's really hard for people to buy homes. Interest rates are low. Um, what are your, just your thoughts and your perspective on, on the current market? Well, the current market, so let's put this in perspective. We have half the volume of homes on the market that we did last year at this time. Well, last year at this time, nobody wanted to sell their property because of COVID, right? They had all these restrictions to get into your house and they had to wipe down everything and you had to be masked up and there were so many so many restrictions. And so most people didn't want to sell. So you figure if we have half the volume of that, that tells you we don't have hardly any homes in the market. And you know any, everything about supply and demand. When there's a big demand for a small supply, things go up in value. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we're seeing that, <clears throat> we're hoping that down the next you know, three to six months, we're going to see more inventory. They're saying we're going to, but they also said we're going to see a whole bunch of inventory from the 
um, recession, the great recession that we never saw. So I, I just don't know. Yeah. And I never want to ask anybody to read the tea leaves. It's like me, somebody asking me what the stock market is going to do. And I just don't know. There's just too many factors that are beyond our that's control. Easy. It's, it's going to go up or down. That's what's <laughs> right. that, that, and that's, that's the big point. question. The big question in my industry, right? Everybody wants to know when, when we're going to, when's a bubble, right? Well, what I just stated, and if you keep, I got tons of charts because I do also, you, you mentioned my inner Edison, but I also do a real a radio show called Real Estate Jerky. We give you something to chew on. It's on an AM radio station. And then we put it as a podcast. And then now I'm doing lives on Facebook and YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I go through all this all the time. You, you We don't have the extra inventory. We don't have you know, we didn't, if you look at the chart, we, in the last decade, we built the same amount of homes as we did in 1930 to 1939, as we built from 2009 to 2000, I'm sorry, 2010 to 2019. That was like, we were, were like 20 million homes short during that whole 10 year period. So when you don't build that many homes in a 10 year, a decade, it's really hard to catch up on that production. And right now with the um, cost of lumber so expensive, the cost of everything, the inventory, you know, the, the Barron's put an article out about how to profit from the shortage of everything. And that's where we're at. We have a shortage of everything because we were just in time inventory instead of just in case inventory, right? So they're saying now they need to build up more inventory on stuff just in case something happens like what we just went through. Hmm. Just in answering time. your questions. Sorry. Yeah, just in time versus just in case. I mean, it's a just, I, I think that there's a lot of people out there who are sitting here thinking, well, I, I want to take advantage of, of, of cheap money because interest rates are so low. And I can't imagine I'm 42 years old that there's going to be a time in my life where interest rates or money is going to be so inexpensive. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, so how, how are you having conversations or how are you thinking about that? Well, I think it's right now. Um, and it's no other time in history that we've had, you know, most people who own a home now have a rate in the twos, right. Or, or, or a very low three, and then they have, um, you know, 40% equity, right, in their home. And so we're in, everybody's in a situation that owns a home right now that we put them in and you have to look at, okay, most people move every seven years. What's going to happen now when they go, okay, if I move, I'm going to lose my 2.75 interest rate and I'm going to go have to get a 4% or 45 on that new house. Not only, even if it's the same house, my payment's going to go up five to $700, but if it's a bigger house, that's a lot of money. So a lot of people are not going to be moving as much as we did. So we pretty much, I don't want to say stuck people in place, but we did for a very much longer time. You understand what I'm getting at here? It's just, it's like just that thought of even buying the same thing in a different state makes no sense because it's going to cost more money. But what I, most people right now to get into a house, cash is one in four offers is cash and they're they're taking money out of their 401k they're taking money out of other places buying the house and then refinancing it and paying their 401k back or 403 back you know they're borrowing against it because i guess you have what 90 days to do that um to take money out and put it back in without a penalty so there's a lot of there's some creative financing going on to be that cash offer to get that house it, it, and it's not just in, you know, Texas and Nevada and 
Arizona. I mean, it's California still. Everybody's supposedly leaving California. We have 39 million people leaving uh, in California, 39 million people in California. And if we lose 100,000 net exodus, that's nothing. Um, if we're losing 750,000, we'd be worried. But I want more people to leave California so I can get buyers in their homes and help them finance that. Yeah, no, for, 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 for sure. Are, is there a robust, is there interest in, in people buying second homes during this time because money is so inexpensive <clears throat> from an interest rate perspective, but obviously you're needing to come up with a, well, I don't know if it's obvious or not. When, when, when you're buying an, a second home or a, an investment property, how much are people needing to, to come up with for a down payment in, in today's world? And then what you you're bringing up, because most people think you need 20% or th- to buy a second home, you need 10% down minimum. So for mo- and for most people who have 20% to put down, I, I run numbers and show them with mortgage insurance so cheap these days. I mean, on a 10% down, if you got a, a FICO score over 700, which if you look at the numbers, we have more people in the highest FICO scores than we've ever had in history. Um, the average FICO, you know, 80% of the people out there who are getting a conventional loan or a VA loan have a 720 or higher FICO score, which is not something we've seen in history before. So people have, with their stimulus checks and other things, they've paid down their debt, they've paid down other things, and they've gotten their FICO score higher. And um, I'm sorry, but George, what was the question before? No, not at all. I think just fundamentally. Oh, it's, the 10% down. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I remember that. I mean, yeah, so you only need 10% down. And I see, uh, we've seen since people last year, that's what the big push out of the Bay, I'm in California, Modesto, which is close to the Bay. Um, and people were leaving the Bay to go up into the foothills and the mountains to get away from people and putting 10% down or, or cash. But yeah, the big push for second homes. And then I'm a big proponent of where are you going to retire? Like at your age, you're 42, right? As you said, yep. where are you going to retire? And start looking at that. Go buy that house there now so that when you go to retire in 20 years from now, it's paid for, right? Or close to paid off. So when your house that you live in now keeps appreciating, plus you got that second home that's appreciating, you sell the house here where you live now, and then you pay pay it off, The you know, what's left on that loan. And you have a lot of cash left over that you can put in your bank to live off of. But most people do it the opposite way. They sell their house and then go buy that, that house they're going to retire in and pay the high prices for it that they just left. And they don't have that extra money. So if you're going to plan on retiring somewhere else than where you're living now, buy that house. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not smart enough to actually have gone through this exercise of, of writing it down. But let's just assume and use round um, round numbers and say the interest rates right now are three percent. And and somebody listening who wants to go through that extra, let's just use me as an example. That I do. My my wife and I want to retire in northern Arizona. And so if a house in northern Arizona, and again we'll just use round numbers, it costs a million dollars. So I need to come up with a hundred thousand dollars. If I can get that finance at three percent today, and then in twenty years it's going to be probably at least six percent, if not higher, it's certainly there, there's an arbitrage there. Correct, yeah, there is, and and um, that's a nice house in Arizona for a million, really nice house, right? So um, for most people with a million, though, what we see is because if you're not in a high, a high, all right, where are you located, George? Uh, I live in in Phoenix, Scottsdale. Okay. All right. So it's not that big of a house for you, but um, like in the, where I am in the Bay area, 
um, we go, there's conforming loan limits. Bear with me here. Conforming loan limits means Fannie and Freddie. What is their max loan amount? So that's 548250 Anything over that in certain areas is considered a jumbo, right? And that's what it would be in your area, right? Now in the Bay Area, they go up to, and this, this is Southern California and other places that are high balance. They'll have high balance, which will go up to 822750 which is the same underwriting as a Fannie and Freddie loan, which means you can do the 10% down and stuff. On jumbos, you have to, you have to have a really good FICO score. You got to have solid income and you need to look at, does it make sense to do only 10% down? Is it better to do 20% down? And so for most people on jumbos, like you're talking about, they do 20% down just because that's a better program, better interest rate. Because when you go from a high, when you go from conforming rate, that could be 2.75, say, then you go to a high balance, that could be 2.99. Then you go to a jumbo, that could be three and a quarter to 3.375, depending on that program and what you're looking at. And again, I'm just, just as examples, because I'm not doing my APR and everything, and I don't want to get in trouble by the DRE and the MLMS and all those people saying you're quoting rates. I'm just saying, and there's the difference in the rates. However, we talk about this, you deal with a lot of business owners, I assume, Right. What I run into with business owners is a lot of them write off a lot of stuff and they don't show a lot of income. Right. That's that's like say you had you bought a bunch of property, a bunch of equipment, you depreciated it. Now you only show 10,000 of income because you, you depreciated 100 grand in, in equipment and something else. We can usually use that 100 grand back. But what I ran into a situation where I had a gentleman who been manufacturing for 35 years. He does unique stuff. He showed 60 grand of income for the last two years, but he wanted to buy a $1.5 million home here. And you can't really do that on 60 grand of income. So we have other programs like a bank statement program where we take the business at, we look at the business bank statements, we add up all the deposits, we take a factor of that. And then that is what his income is per month. So he went from 60 grand a year which is about five grand a month to $288,000 a month. And he was able to buy that house that way with a bank statement loan. The rate was four and a quarter versus the market rate of 3%, which is not a, you know, it's for me who have been doing this for 25 years when I took people from 13 to nine and they love me. And now I quote somebody at 2.99 and they ask me if it's a great, is that a good interest rate? You know, I have a different take on it than other people. So for a bank statement loan, be able to buy a property you want and not show. And here's the reason you want to do this is if he showed 288,000 of income, he, what's his tax rate on that, right? Let's just say it's 30%. That's 28,000. So that's close to almost 90 grand of taxes. He'd have to pay on that income that he doesn't have to pay on that income. And yeah, maybe his payments three hundred dollars, you know, say two fifty more a month. That's still cheaper than eighty some thousand dollars in taxes, right? Yeah, no, I like it, and that's the exercise that 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 it just that you need to go through, right? Just pencil it all out, and I imagine. Oh, I know how emotional this process can be for so many people, and I think a lot of the time that it's unnecessary because if you do work on the front end and prepare yourself for 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 the process. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I get asked all the time, when should I start, you know, the process of getting ready to buy a house? I say the moment you think about it. Mm. The moment you think you're going to buy a house, that's when you call somebody like myself 
you start going through the process. Um, no other time in history has it been more important to have a high FICO score and to work on your FICO score. Um, during the pandemic, they raised the minimum FICO scores on a lot of programs. Um, and if and it's so and it's still we can get it done. It's just much harder than we would before. And here's an example: before, if somebody had a 640 FICO score and we went VA, it was not a big deal. Or a 620. Now, if it's a 620, it's a lot harder. Costs more. Um, rates are based off of risk. Somebody that has a 740 FICO score versus some. All right, so, if you have a 640 FICO score and you versus somebody with a 740 FICO score. That 640 is 17 times more likely to go in foreclosure or forbearance than somebody with a 740. So that's a risk base. So everything's based off of risk now when they look at your interest rate. So Got what's it. the loan to value? What's your FICO score? That kind of stuff. Nice. Well, Ed, people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I just said it. The difference-making tip is basically work on your FICO score. Keep track of what that is. I mean, but don't make it everything. A lot of people get so, I got an 800 FICO score. I got this. One of the biggest things that people don't realize is us lenders use a different algorithm than the Credit Karma or any of those Experian, those kind of things that give you that FICO score. It's not going to be the same, but that's okay. You want to keep track of it. You want to get it as high as possible because that just opens up more doors for you and gets you the lowest rates you can possibly have. Well, I think think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come up. Come on. Ed, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people uh, learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Uh, they can find, well, I made it easier couple, uh, last year. I made my own personal website, which is edparkco.com. So, and then they can find the Inner Edison podcast out there. They can find me on realestatejerky.com. Um, they can find me on Instagram under Ed Parco and Twitter, Ed Parco and Facebook, Ed Parco and LinkedIn, Ed Parco, trying to make it all the same. I was, I told, I was told a while back, if you're going to do that, you got to keep the name ev- the same everywhere. And we've done that. So just hit me up on Instagram and I'll take care of you. And if I can't help you, I will find that person like myself that will help you. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ed your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to edparco.com. That's E-D-P-A-R-C-A-U-T.com. Check out the Inner Edison podcast. Check out Real Estate Jerky. Give him something to chew on. That is a great tagline. You can find Ed on uh, all of our social media at Ed Parco. Thanks again, Ed. Thank you, sir. And until next time. Keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.